Thank you for firing up the Sunrise Church podcast. My name is Steve Garcia, and I am the lead pastor at Sunrise. We are a community of Jesus followers from all walks of life, all colors of skin, and all ages. And I hope this message you hear today inspires you to deepen your connection with Christ. Let's dive in. Well, if this is your first time with us at Sunrise, you picked a good day to come because this morning we're going to be hearing from our campus pastor, Dr. Anthony Riley. Uh, and before I kick it over to him, yeah, you can clap for that. Come on, that's good, okay? <laughs> before I do that, I want to tell you about this new message series we are starting that's going to carry us through the summer uh, that we're calling Summer Playlist. It's never been easier to make a playlist. Gone are the days of having to make a mixtape. Remember that? You'd have to have a blank cassette tape and you'd put it in your stereo. You'd have to listen for your favorite song to come across the radio. And when it did, you press play and record at the same time. We used to have to work to make a playlist. Now we live in a day and age where it's never been easier. And, and with summer upon us, many of you are putting together playlists of songs to help set the vibe for things like a road trip or a backyard barbecue or just hanging around the house. And while these songs make us feel a certain way, we're not always fully aware of their message. You know, as, as we stand today in this moment, the number one song in the U.S., is by a country artist named Morgan Wallen. It's called Last Night, which is a catchy little summer song about a liquor-infused one-night stand. And if modern music isn't your thing, maybe you've got summer songs from bands like Sly and the Family Stone, or The Bee Gees, or Madonna, Ace of Bass, NSYNC. Or if your home is anything like mine, the song that's on constant repeat it's Peaches from the Super Mario Brothers movie. Anyone else done with this song? Uh, <laughs> but listen, all of these songs have, have a meaning. They all have a message. Well, I don't know if you know this, but the Bible is filled with songs too. In fact, right in the center of the Bible is an entire songbook called the Book of Psalms. And these songs were written by poets, prophets, kings, warriors, and the greatest musicians at that time. And much like today, those songs were written out of experiences like pain, loneliness, anxiety, success, heartbreak. And so each week this summer, we are going to identify a song that's, that was popular across the decades, and we're going to compare its message with the truth of God's Word as found in the book of Psalms. And so in a moment, we're going to play for you today's song, and we're just going to play the audio. And I want to encourage you to engage your ears, listen to the lyrics, try to identify the theme. Today's song is one of Pastor Anthony's favorites. In fact, I was walking by his office the other day, and I just heard music blaring out, and I, I poked my head, and, and he just had tears running down his cheeks as he's belting the song out. What is that song? Let's give it a listen right now. Snow glows white on the mountain tonight, not a footprint to be seen. A kingdom of isolation, and it looks like I'm the queen. 
a hand clap. Now after service, I need this section to come up for prayer because you knew the lyrics, you were dancing, you were waving. Can we do that in church? I'd be a fool to ask you this question, but does anyone know what song that was debuted on? They, Frozen. Frozen. Amen. Now, Steve is funny because for the first time ever, I sat this past week and watched this movie. I'm going to be very careful when I say next because I don't need rocks and sticks thrown at me as I run out of here because that's someone's favorite song and favorite movie. But like Pastor Steve said, there is a lot of language, a lot of themes behind that actual song. And if you're not careful, you can fall into the trap of letting it go. What does the writer mean when they penned it, let it go? I'm, I, I actually got a couple of the lyrics down. I just want to read them to you. And I know Pastor Steve said, close your eyes and listen. But I really want you to really take in these words. She said, the wind is howling like this swirling storm inside. Couldn't keep it in. Heavens know I tried. I don't let them in. Don't let them see. Be the good girl you always want to be. Conceal. Don't feel. Don't let them know. She goes on to say, let it go, let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. Turn away and slam the door. I don't care what they're going to say. Let the storm rage. The cold never bothered me anyway. This is what gets me. She said, it's funny how some distance makes everything seem small and the fears that once controlled me can't do it at all. 
It's time, it's now time to see what I can do. Listen to this. To test the limits and break through, no right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. Let it go. Let it go. When you sit and think about that, that's what the world is saying. So my question to you this morning is, what are you about to let go? What are you thinking about letting go? Despite the struggle, you're in this relationship, but if you listen to those words, I'm going to do me. I'm just going to let it go. What if you don't like your job, you hate your boss? Is it time to go out and slam the door? Because it doesn't matter anyway. What about you arguing with your spouse or your coworker and according to the lyrics, I should let my anger go and just punch the person in the face? Why not? Can I not just let it go? Words have meaning. And if you're not careful, it can send you down a thought and you might just act on that thought. But I want to look at a different song that's in the Bible. You can go to your Bible to Psalm 42. In this song, the writer refuses to let it go. In fact, he is in this place of desperation, and he's asking God, what's next? And besides letting it go, he's willing to stay in the fight because something is that important to him. Now, what's interesting about this song is we don't know what he was battling. All we see is his heartbeat behind his words. And if you're going through something and you're on the verge of letting it go, I want you to let it go, but I want you to let it go and put it at the feet of Jesus. Amen? So let's look at some of the, these words that the psalmist says in Psalms 42 verse 1. He says, as a deer pants for the water stream, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with you? From the onset, the writer gives us this analogy, this metaphor of a deer that's panting. And all this deer can think of is, I just got to get to water. And just like dogs, deers, when they pant, they don't sweat. So they're panting because their body is overheated. They need some, to, something to drink, and they're looking for that water. Just as that imagery, it just is the soul of this individual that's crying out to God, where are you? I can't feel you. I can't see you. Do you even care about what I'm going through? In fact, he's asking for an appointment. Where and when can I meet you? Because I fear that you have abandoned me. Is that your thought this morning? Of what you're going through? Do you think God isn't listening? Do you think he doesn't see your plight? Do you feel that he's just ignoring you? But then I love what the psalmist says. He says as he goes on, my tears has been my food. Day and night while people say to me all day long, where is your God? 
It's one thing for me to be wrestling with myself and what's happening around me, but it's a whole nother thing when I got people acting like negative Nancys. And they're poking at you, they're asking you, hey, I thought your God loved you. Hey, if he loved you, why are you going through this? Hey, and, and all of these things are happening to him, but he doesn't run away. He runs towards God. Verse 4 says, these things I remember as I poured out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the, under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. He says, I'm not going to invest my time with the negatives. I'm going to get to a place where I can find rest and peace because if I allow those people to flood me, I'm going to break and crack. So instead of responding to them or at them, I'm going to drop to my knees. and I'm going to remember the God who's been taking care of me my whole life. Many of you have been challenged just this year alone. I've read the prayer slips. I've talked to people after service. Pastor Steve has enlightened me on the people he's spoken to. And many people are in despair. They're hurting. And they're looking for a way out. This sermon is for you. If you're not going through anything and you have a great season, it's okay. I still want you to listen because I want you to put in your tube back because sooner or later, you're going to be there. People are struggling with marriages right now. One person wants to stay married. The other one is trying to get divorced. They're wrestling in the balance of what do I do next? You have people who lost their loved ones and now once once was a friend and someone they can lean on, now there's no one there. And now they're shattered and they're trying to figure life out. What are you dealing with? And are you at a place where you're asking God? He goes on to say in verse 5, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Then he says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. He's not denouncing God. He's leaning more into him. Despite what's happening, he says, I will yet praise him. Don't give up. Don't give in, because at the end of the day, I will win. So he's in this corner talking to himself, saying, come on, man. Hang in there. Don't lose focus. The battle is not over. I don't care how you feel. Praise him anyway. It's a perfect picture of this relationship with God that's, I know it's going to come sooner or later. It's just, I got to hold on. Verse 6 says, my soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazir. He's simply saying that I know it's coming sooner or later. He's expressing an intimate time that he had with God. A place in time that he can date back till he remember how great it was. But he's also leaning in with the expectation is I'm going to get there sooner or later. I only lose if I give in, but I win if I stand on the word of God. 
And this is what you and I should do when, when trials come and storm rages. It's not the time for you to bell out. It's the time for you to lean in. It's time for you to exercise your spiritual muscles. It's time to let the enemy know you shall not win. I'm going to survive. And if you don't believe it, then who will? Because you're going to have all those naysayers around you, but whose report are you going to stand on? It appears like the psalmist, he's winning, he's pushing back the enemy, and then something happens. Verse 7 says, deep calls to the deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept me over. I don't know about you, but in my life, when I think I got something handled, here comes another problem. I'm focusing on this problem, and I'm winning. And soon as I'm getting the victory, here comes something else. Your car breaks down. The gas bill's $1,000. Just when I think I'm winning, I'm saving a little money, this happens. And then I call them and say, okay, you can make payments. We're not going to cut your gas off. Okay, praise God. Now I'm battling this, and here comes another problem. Have you ever felt like you've been surrounded? And this is what the writer is saying. He said, I went from being in this, this, this drought to now I'm immersed. I went from being on dry land. Now it feels like I'm in an ocean with no life vest, and there's no help in sight. If that's you this morning, God got a word. You just got to sing. Verse 8 says, by day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is within me, a prayer to the God of my life. You know, growing up, my mother, oh, she was devoted. She loved Jesus. But I knew when things begin to kind of wrestle with her and they begin to get the best of her because she'll begin to sing them old hymns. Amen. She'll go way back. And, and, and some of those old hymns jumped off on me. Every once in a while I'm walking around the house and then I'm singing a song and my wife says, oh Lord, oh Lord, what's going on? You know, out of nowhere, because the writer says there should be a song in your heart. And some of the songs that come to mind when I'm really going through, they're simple melodies. My mom used to sing, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my mother, not my father, but it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer, not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. It's in those places where you can find God if you're willing to lean in and make yourself vulnerable. Why get battered when you have all the help you need? I love these words where he says, I say to my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, depressed, or pressed rather, by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal anger 
Agni, excuse me, as my foes taunt me, saying to me all the day long, where is your God? He can't breathe. He's taken in water. No one's helping. He's out there all by himself. My mother used to teach me that there's, it's not a problem with asking God questions. He invites those questions, but it becomes a problem when you begin to question what he does. So God wants all those questions. Why are you leaving me? It feels that you're not around. It feels I can't breathe. Do you even care about my concerns? That's not the problem. The problem is when you say, why are you putting me through all this? Now you're contesting and you're trying to fight what God is doing in your life instead of trusting the process. He asked them two questions. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning oppressed by the enemy? He first acknowledges that God is his rock. He recognizes that he is my salvation. He recognizes that the only help can come from him. As he's pondering that thought, he ends with these words. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? And he says again, put your hope in God, for I will praise yet him, my Savior and my Lord. If you really thought about this song, you think the man must be crazy. He has to be bipolar. He's going in and out of these thoughts, and yet he's in this spiritual battle, but he knows sooner or later, I will have a breakthrough. And you may think because he's saying the same exact words in verse 5, you may think he's lost it because he's being redundant. But these words have power, they have meaning, and at the end of the day, he's not running away, he's running too. As I said earlier, this song is for those who feel dry, who feels like the world is just giving them tummy shots. They can't hold their breath, and you just want some type of relief. In fact, you want to be rescued. So I want to give you some of the action steps that this writer took so that he can maintain his spiritual sanity. Because many of us are one decision away from making a bad call. And it's that one decision that might cost you everything. So before you do that, I want to give you a minute of pause. The first thing I recognize in this entire song is this. The writer refused to let the enemy win, so he got into the presence of God. This is a good time for you to take notes. I don't care what you're going through, what surrounds you, you have to force your way into the presence of God. And the reason why many of us don't have relief is because we refuse to let everything show. The writer says, I'm, I'm exposing all of my loins, is what he's saying. 
I'm pouring out all of my heart is what it means in the original text. I'm, I, I'm not holding back anything. He knows anyway. But here, look at verse 2 again. He says, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Now, that word panting or that word of thirsting means I'm desiring, I'm longing for, I need it so bad, and I'm not going to leave until you bless me. He's so intense with it that he only trusts in the true God, the God of Israel. Because in his time, there were many, multiple people worshiping all types of gods. And they were pressuring him saying, hey, he hasn't came up yet. How about you try this God? How about that God? But yet he stayed committed to his calling. And this is my first action step with you in this room. What God are you serving? Is it possible that you haven't won the victory because you're on the wrong team? Is it possible that your spiritual foundation is not on the solid rock that was explained here, but you are entertaining other forms of religious practices? For example, some of you are probably playing with that Ouija board. Asking what's next in life. That's dangerous. Many of you are on a psychic hotline. Amen. What happens for me in 2030? Uh, let me think. Let me think. Many of you are going to the fortune teller. You know the fortune teller. It's the house on the corner. It's pink. Yeah, that's the fortune teller. And if they could tell the future, don't you think they should have a better house? <laughs> or change the decor or something. But they're leaning into these things, and some of you can't wait for the newspaper because you want to look up your Zodiac sign. Let's see what it says for me about marriage. That's witchcraft. And you're playing with very dangerous grounds. And you're putting your hopes in a system that cannot deliver. But here, this is the true blueprint of life. You have to lean into it. And I want to pause in the search because there's no need to go any further if you're not right with God. If you're not leaning into the right source, I want to fix that here right now in a hurry so that you can get the blessings or start the cycle of blessings. Jesus said these words, or God said in John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Why live if you're not going to live in victory? This is the greatest gift ever given to man. God gave his only begotten son just for you so that you can be healed, not just later, but now. How are you doing? What source are you plugged into? So I want to first talk to those who do not have a relationship with God. This is your opportunity to switch teams. This is your opportunity to say, you know what? I'm tired of playing the field with multiple gods. I'm going to lean on the one true God. 
if we could all just bow our heads and close our eyes. This is for those individuals who have either walked away from God or who have not at all put their faith in him. You must first be real with him. You must say, Lord, I'm broken. I've tried everything but you. If that's you, I want you to simply say this prayer with me silently in your heart. Lord, I need you. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm confused. But I trust, God, that you sent your son Jesus just for me. I don't know the outcome of tomorrow, but by faith, I'm going to trust you now. Come into my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. If that was your prayer, I want to say congratulations because this is the first step to having an amazing life with him. The second thing I want to talk through because he's so spiritually bankrupt is he's yearning and he's desiring this spiritual pull. Something has interrupted. Something has put a, something is happening where he's battling spiritually. And it's possible you're battling spiritually because you're not in fellowship with God. Once you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's the relationship. However, many of us are outside of God's will because we haven't communicated with him, and now we're out of fellowship with him. My question is, when is the last time you yearned for him? When is the last time you put your concerns at Jesus' feet? When is the last time you let him have the will to your life and not the other way around? I want to encourage you that you have to allow him to lead your life and get into his, pres his presence. I love King David. He's written over 73 of the 150 songs. And one of my favorites is found in Psalm 62. It says, truly he is my rock, my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on him. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Then he gives us some encouraging words. He tells us to trust in him all the time, not some of the time, all the time. Pour out your hearts to him for God is our refuge. When is the last time you poured out your heart to God? When is the last time you really said it's here? And just like the psalmist, David puts his trust totally in God, and he encourages us to do the same. Why? Because he's our rock. He's our salvation. He's our fortress. He's our refuge. He's our everything. And he's willing for you to run to him with open arms. You just must do it. So number one, I need you to get into his presence. Number two, if you're going to fight this fight of faith, you've got to remember past victories. Every once in a while, the devil's going to try to shake your core. He's going to try to get you to get your eyes off of him. But you have to remember what he has brought you from. It's through those memories that you're willing to take the test. That's what a testimony is. It's a test. And you must say, wait a minute, not today. Every once in a while, I'm like, I'm done. I'm over this. I quit. But then after I get out of my feelings, hey amen, we get in our feelings sometimes, I remember where he's brought me from. 
and I want you to do the same. Look at verse 4 again. These things I remember, he said, as I poured out my heart. Verse 6 says, therefore, I will remember you from the land. He doesn't give us specifics on what those encounters were, but something was so impacting that he remembered the time that God saved him and that God delivered him. He says, as I'm pouring out my heart, as I'm going through the motions, I'm going through this drama, I'm still remembering what you're doing. Do you see the battle? It's this picture of giving up the terrain, not giving up the terrain, and you think he's going crazy, but he really is winning. So when you feel the battle raging in you, you should give God thanks because you're still in the fight. Now, if it doesn't bother you one way or the other, you need to come to the altar (laughs) because you lost it. There's nothing that's having you think through some things. But here, listen at this song from David. It's found in Psalms 108. Listen at the words of David again. Give us aid against the enemy. For human help is worthless. With God, we will gain the victory. And he will triumph down or trample down our enemies. (laughs) You see what's happening? Every time there was a battle, there was a song. It's that song that keeps David energized and other writers of the Bible. Like, you know, I could give in, but I'm not because he's going to get me through it again. So our responsibility is to lean in because David in this verse recognized that I can't do it on... Humanity has limitations. And and, and after I've done all I can do, all I can do now is trust God. So just like you took me out of the other pains and the other sorrows, so you shall take me through this. You can only lose if you bow. But if you stand on God's word, you've already won. What I need you to do, I need you to get into his presence. And while you're in his presence, when you feel the wind blowing... (laughs) And the, and, and the sea is raging, remember past victories. Here's the third one. Get specific with your prayers. Yeah. Some of y'all got these, these, these simple prayers, you know. You know. Jesus wept, amen. Amen. Jesus wept, amen. Why did Jesus weep? I don't know. He just wept. I want you to look at the language that this writer uses. In verse 1, he says, my soul longs for you. My soul thirsts for you. My tears has been my food day and night. People say to me all day long, where's your God? You, you see how he's just going in. He's being very specific with what he's saying. Then he says on verse 9, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? When are you going to show up, basically? Do you not see me here? I'm crying every day, but yet do you care? Do you even love me? That's how intense he's going. So when you're communicating with God, how do you express your prayers to him? Do you use colorful words with no meaning? Do you think you're the smartest one in the room and you're educated and you're proper for thou shall, God of heaven and glory and earth, come down. Are you religified? Is that a word, religified? <laughs> Amen. But we get to this place where we're totally disconnected. 
But Jesus gave us the blueprint on how we should pray. He gave us the model. Look at, look at Matthew chapter 6. This isn't Jesus' prayer. This is a model. He says in verse 9, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Some people today, hey, yo, yo, yo. God is dope. You, you know you my people. You know my heart. That's how you come into the presence of an almighty God, one who created heaven and earth. Here you show reverence and honor and grace of Lord. I want to praise you for who you are. That's what he's saying. Then he said, give us this day our daily bread, meaning, and, and forgive us our debts as we forgiven, as we also have forgiven our debt towards. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. When he said, as you praise God, you begin to recognize that you, you're kind of possibly outside the will of God. And, and, and we want to make sure your heart is pure before you begin asking him things. And as you're working through that conversation, now he's giving you the answers to what you really need. And then the only thing, yeah, it's just waiting for what he's going to do. So when you're praying to God, how are you praying to him? Do you only pray to him when you're going through things? Or is he your number one? Do you wake up every morning saying, I got to give God my attention first in prayer? Or is it only when you need something? Again, I want to encourage you, the writer, read the song the entire week. He's in this place of desperation. He's not one that just says, oh, I'll pick him up, put him down. He's really yearning for God. And I want you to do the same thing. How's your prayer life? And the last thing, and this is what I want you really to lean into. At the end of the day, you have to praise him in advance. At the end of the day, he has to get the glory. Every one of us is going to have bad days, bad weeks, and possibly bad years. But can you push through that, that adversity and through those circumstances and still know that God is God? Are you still able to praise him in advance? And what the psalmist says in verse 11 again, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. He didn't disown God. He said, my Savior, the one who rescued me before, is the same one that's going to do it again. So there's no need for me to hold back my praise now. I might as well do it in advance. It's the praise that's going to make you get through all of that, despite your scenario. And in those moments when it seems God is silent, know that he's always there. Know that he's always listening. He's always working and he's always involved. Our responsibility is to get in front of him and give God what he desires, because sooner or later, we're going to have the victory. Now, as we close, as you're wrestling in this thing and as you're trying to get your footing, I know you're not going to like this question. Um, what if he doesn't answer you? What if he doesn't deliver you from that issue?
Will you still trust him? Will you still stay in the fight? Because we don't know what happened with the psalmist. We know that he left it still at the altar. We don't know if God delivered him from that affliction. But we have a picture on what we should do in case you and I fall in to this scenario. But the question still remains, what if he makes you hold on to that affliction? Would you still bless him? That's why I love the Apostle Paul. Because he gives me what I need to stay in the fight. We don't know what Paul was battling. We just know he kept praying to God for something to happen. And it says here in verse 8 of 2 Corinthians 12, three times Paul says, I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Here's the key. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Why? So that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I will delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. This whole text is about God's sustaining power. That's all it's about. How do you remain under without losing focus or losing your mind? What are you battling? What's in front of you? What are you asking God to remove? If he doesn't, would you still bless him? Would you still lean into that? The only way you're going to win, I'm going to win, is not to give up. We need to trust the process and the journey. We need to get into the presence of God. Really get in there. And while I'm hanging on by a thread, I have to remember past victories. And as I'm doing that, I have to continue to pray for an expected outcome. Now, it might come now or later, but at the end of the day, these scars will be healed. And as I do that, I have to trust God. Earlier, I offered the, we call it the gospel presentation. If you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you to tell the person next to you because I want to hold you accountable. Number two, I want you to go outside to the next step table and I want you to tell the person what you've done so that we can help you with your next steps. If that's too much for you and you're kind of embarrassed, text 909-281-7797. We have staff members behind the scenes that will help walk you through what you did. And for the rest of us, trust God. Because the world gives us one thing, God gives us another. And our firm foundation in the words that we're going to lean into is not secular music. Our playlist should be the playlists of God. Amen? Amen. 
Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are. Bless each person here. Whatever the battle, whatever the struggle, whatever the concern, I pray that they will keep their faith and trust in you. Remove all the voices out of their minds and their thinking, Father God. Remind them that they're more than enough in you. That you will cover them and keep them despite the drought, despite the submersing in water. You're there. As we transition, Father God, to tithes and offerings, we want to first thank you for giving us the resources that we have to bless you with. It is an act of worship. But as I always say, if no one has anything to give, I pray that they give you their heart today because that's where things change. We thank you, Father God. We love you in Jesus' name. We all say amen and amen. Praise God. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. I want to encourage you to not just stop here. Maybe you sense God is speaking to you today and wanting you to take that next step. So here's two ways you can do just that. The first is text the word next to the number 909-281-7797. That's 909-281-7797. You'll receive a message back with some ways to help you grow. That may mean joining a small group or finding a place to serve or just talking with someone one-to-one about your faith. You can also visit the notes for this podcast and follow the links provided. And if you're within driving distance of one of our four physical locations in Banning, Ontario, Rialto, or Victorville, we'd love for you to stop by sometime and give us a chance to meet you personally. Again, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope to see you soon. God bless.